What up, guys? Your boy Quake back with the brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast, number 246. Damn, we're closing in on 300, man. No, we're not. We're actually pretty far away. I'm tripping. What am I talking about, man? But there's a lot of stuff to get into, and let's get right into it, man. I'm not even going to waste your guys' time. I appreciate all of you. Thank you for the Spotify wrapped. A lot of people have been tagging me, like I said, in that. Appreciate it. Uh, let's get into it, man. There's a lot of stuff to talk about, and it's a lot relating to Puffy, 50, Rose, all that. Boom, let's get into it. Diddy, a.k.a. Puffy, has officially responded to all the allegations against him, all the lawsuits, and there's a new one that came out today, so that's five in total after the Cassie one. Not only is he responding to all the allegations, but he's also responding to 50 Cent, who keeps attacking him when it comes to all these lawsuits and even is promising to make a documentary revolving around all the stuff that's going around with Diddy. And the documentary title could be Surviving Diddy or Diddy Didn't Do It or all these funny titles that 50's coming up with and is saying that all the proceeds from the documentary will actually go to all the victims. So we'll get into that a little bit later on. But first, let's get into the new lawsuit and allegation. Then let's talk about Diddy's response to 50 and the allegations. And then let's talk about what 50's doing with the documentary. Diddy has broken his silence in the wake of another assault lawsuit being filed against him. He's deemed enough is enough. He's tired of it, man. He's just like R. Kelly in this situation. He's tired of it, man. He can't live with it, man. Why stop attacking this man? What prompted him to release this statement is that the fifth sexual assault lawsuit surfaced today. And Jane Doe has accused Diddy and bad boy former president Harvey Pierre and another man of gang. You know what? Her when she was just 17 years old in 2003. And what's wild about this lawsuit is she actually has photos of that night of her being there. She's actually sitting on Diddy's lap. Uh, she's in the studio taking photos in front of Diddy's studio in her booth, in the booth, Diddy's booth, whatever. And uh, you can tell, she, you know, she is kind of wearing, you know, a little skirt, blah, blah, blah. So it looks kind of, looks weird, man. It looks like for somebody that's 17 years old, to be involved in that type of situation for Diddy to be okay with it, it is kind of weird. So those photos provide a lot more evidence. So her, her situation is going to be a lot worse and a lot extended further than everybody else's besides Cassie's because I'm sure Cassie has a lot more evidence than everybody else because she's been with Diddy for a long, long time. The court documents allege that Miss Doe met Pierre and the third assailant at a Detroit lounge. After speaking on the phone with Diddy, the three flew to his NYC studio on a private plane later that night. Upon Doe's arrival, the junior in high school was piled with drugs and alcohol. She claims she was, you know what, by Diddy, the unnamed man and Pierre in order. When the three were done, she claims she was left in the bathroom in a fetal position. After regaining her composure, she claims she was escorted to a car and flown back to Michigan. While the accusations are two decades later, Miss Doe supplied photos from that night in the studio sitting on Diddy's lap. However, her face is blurred out for anonymity purposes. So this is the fifth lawsuit in roughly, I want to say two to three weeks. And Diddy is just getting bombarded. And the, the predictions that people were going to come flocking after he settled that Cassie one quickly are right. You know, everybody that predicted it from me to 50 to everybody else that had, you know, something to say about this. Uh, whenever you settle something quick like that, it shows to other people that they're, you know, hey, you know what, you're you're willing to settle and give people money for them to hush up. Uh, with the Cassie situation, obviously, I'm pretty sure Cass, Cassie has a lot of evidence that would have derailed Diddy a lot. So uh, this is just getting worse and worse as time goes on. Diddy decides to respond officially, not only to everybody, but to the biggest person that's been critiquing, critiquing him, which is 50 Cent. 50 Cent has been going in on him literally every single day. 
He's actually, I think, the only celebrity that I can name that's attacking Diddy day in and day out and not letting his foot off Diddy's neck. So these responses, I'm, a sh- I'm pretty sure, are not only for the allegations, but the 50 as well. This is what he said on Instagram in a statement that he released. And the top, bolded, enough is enough. For the last couple of weeks, I have sat silently and watched people try to assassinate my character, destroy my reputation, and my legacy. Sickening allegations have been made against me by individuals looking for a quick payday. Let me be absolutely clear. I did not do any of the awful things being alleged. I will fight for my name, my family, and for the truth. Sean Diddy Combs. Well, 50 responded to the new allegations of that 17-year-old, you know, getting, uh, you know what? He said, my God, 17 was no one off limits. This documentary is going to blow you away. Did he do it or not coming soon? Which is a... Sorry, I'm not supposed to be laughing at a serious situation like this, but that title is hilarious. Did he do it or not? Um, And then continuing on, he posted a clip of someone being interviewed by The Art of Dialogue. And this person that was interviewed was a former bad boy artist. And he said this in the caption, 50 said, All unit film and television proceeds from this documentary will go to the victims of assault and you know what. Continuing on, then 50, you know, got covered by TMZ about the donations. He said this. What the fuck? At some point, you just got to do the right thing. So 50 is hell bent on making this documentary. And I don't, you know, I see, I can see why I know the history between Diddy and 50. And I will do a documentary on their history, Diddy versus 50. I know you guys wanted that when I said that in the last video. So I will be doing that as a, you know, a documentary later on. I am working on the Diddy $1 million hit documentary. So that's going to be coming out this month. That is the allegations that Diddy, you know, allegedly put out a million dollars to kill Tupac. I am going to be covering that, revealing everything that that I can find on the internet on that, compiling it together, and putting it in a documentary. So that's going to, you know, do its own thing. And then I'll work on the Diddy versus 50 and then other things uh, down the line. But wild things, man. And Diddy has had enough of it. He said enough is enough. What do you guys think of the statement? I think it's, it's something, but at the end of the day, man, the way, the way it's, I think I, I don't know. I don't think you should do interviews to doing video interviews on this uh, is not going to go well. Uh, recently, the Grammys, apparently there's there's an issue because Diddy was supposed to be at the, this upcoming Grammys that's coming up. And uh, people are don't want to be seated next to him. People are saying, get him out of the Grammys. We don't want him there. We don't want seats next to him. We want nothing to do with him. And this is how it goes. Usually if you get uh, accused of these things, even without proof, which there hasn't been any official proof that he's done anything. There's been a lot of people that have talked and said and accused, but so far there isn't any official proof. Let's keep that in mind in this situation. There hasn't been any DNA, any photos, videos. Those photos of that girl being there looks crazy. Don't get me wrong. It does. A 17-year-old being in the studio with a bunch of grown men wearing a short skirt like that, that looks crazy in itself. But it's still not 100% proof that Diddy did something. So it's 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 interesting to see a bunch of people shift and change and not want to associate with Diddy at all. And this Grammys thing just further proves that. So we'll keep our eye on this, man. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see if 50 actually follows through with the documentary as well. Sometimes he just trolls and likes to get under people's skin. You know, he's talking about wanting to buy Revolt uh, TV from Diddy at a low price because all the sponsors are going to be backing out. Nobody's going to want to associate with Diddy anymore. And uh, that's slowly happening. It seems like a lot more people are distancing themselves from Diddy. So we'll keep our eye on this, man. And let me know what you guys think of Diddy's statement. Do you think he is honestly innocent based off that statement? Because sometimes you can tell just off of statements. 
And a lot of the words in there are kind of like, eh, you know, we hear that a lot. So we'll keep our eye out and see if Diddy says anything else about the allegations. And uh, yeah, we'll keep you guys posted. And the 50 Cent and Rick Ross beef has gotten interesting once again. All thanks to Charlemagne and, of course, 50 running his mouth as well as Rick Ross responding to everything. So Charlemagne was on his podcast, Brilliant Idiots with Andrew Schultz, and talked about how 50 Cent wouldn't let his foot off of Diddy's neck and talked about how he wanted to buy Revolt TV. And Charlemagne said this made 50 Cent a diabolical genius. So let's play the clip. And I'm going to tell you why 50 is literally the, is a diabolical genius. And, and, and he, he's, 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 first of all, you can read 48 for Laws of Power and Go all of that you. stuff like that. You can read The Art of War by Sun Tzu, but it got to be in you. 50, he posts Diddy reportedly takes temporary leave as chairman of Revolt amid sexual assault lawsuits. 50 says, I'll buy that from you, Playboy. For the low, because you know Cadillac and AT&T going to pull out. Those are the sponsors, I presume? Yes. I'll give you a few dollars for it now. Sell it to me, then we can be friends. I'm serious. Call my phone. Why do y'all think that was a, a genius thing to post? He's basically telling Cadillac and AT&T to yep. pull out? And, and, and telling people who the who, sponsors who the are. Sponsors. So if they want to harass Cadillac and AT&T, that'll happen. And once the money comes out... It's a wrap. Mm. It's, really, it's, a, it's a wrap. This guy, man. This guy. 50 is not to be fucked No. Don't not to be fucked with Fifth. Y'all don't even. Fifth is fifth Play is around different. if you want to. With those diabolical comments, though, Rick Ross not only responded to that, but then 50 Cent posted his regular tour videos that he posts, you know, when he's performing at different countries. And in the video, he makes fun of Meek Mill and Rick Ross's collab album, Too Good to Be True, selling only 31,009 copies the first week. So let's play that clip. When you sell 31,009 CDs, I shouldn't talk to you. How about here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll lay out Crazy, big dog. They don't know. They don't know him. I keep asking them about these niggas. They don't know these niggas. That's funny because Rick Ross and Meek Mill really ain't that global, man. He's right. When he goes out to these different countries, they don't even know who Meek Mill and Rick Ross is. And here's a funny fact about Meek Mill and Rick Ross. Rick Ross's real name is William Roberts, and Meek Mill's real name is Robert Williams. It's literally flipped on these two guys. That's that is something when I found that out it was the funniest thing ever. I just wanted to point that out there. But down to thirty one thousand and nine copies the first week. Uh, you know, I broke this down on the podcast of, you know, uh whether it's a flop or not, you can kind of look at it different ways. The album's actually a pretty good album. I actually enjoy it. Um it's a pretty good you know, it was a good effort. But uh, you know, fifty's gonna troll him on sales because Ross throughout various interviews while trying to promote the album disrespected fifty. You know, talked about how his Give Richard Die Try movie was trash and that, uh, you know, who would, he, why would he, he was surprised that anybody even made a movie on 50. And then he talked about in a different interview, a complex of how Rick 50 Cent is broke and that, you know, we're actually getting money and, you know, he's not getting any money. He's broke, um, which is obviously furthest thing from the truth. Uh, this tour alone has generated hundreds of millions of dollars. I believe they checked the, the recent data stats on it. in America alone. He cleared like over a hundred million dollars. So imagine around the world, he's probably clearing 200 to 300 million uh, once this tour is done. Uh, I know he's not going to net all that money, but you know, he could walk away with at least 50 to 75 million throughout the whole tour. 
and that's not broke. I don't know. To me, broke is like, you know, not having two pennies to rub together. But, uh, you know, uh, Rick Ross himself has said he's allegedly almost a billionaire. So to him, maybe 50 to 75 million a tour is not a lot of money. But I don't know. I digress. Anyways, Rick Ross responds not only to the sales comment that 50 had, but he also responded to the comments that Charlemagne said about calling him a diabolical genius. And I know why he, Rick Ross responded to those comments because Rick Ross has a close relationship with Diddy. Uh, at one point, they were so close, you would think, you know, they're in a relationship together. That's how close they were at one point. Um, you know, there's a photo out there that I'm going to put on the screen. Uh, it's a photo of them really close to each other. I'll just say that. Uh, so let's first play the Rick Ross comments towards Charlemagne's diabolical genius. And then we'll first talk about what diabolical means as a definition because you know, basically what Charlamagne is saying is right, but we'll we'll play first Rick Ross' comments on the diabolical genius. Rose! It's something else I seen that I thought was actually kind of cute. Charlemagne referred to 50 Cent as a diabolical genius. And me, you know, thinking the way I think of Charlemagne, he would know better than that. A diabolical genius doesn't file foreclosure, doesn't file bankruptcy, doesn't. It's not a diabolical genius, a diabolical genius for my next generation of young bosses. They buying Delta. They buying the Miami Heat. They making big boy moves. Cracking jokes on somebody don't make you diabolical because if that's made you diabolical, I would be diabolical for calling DJ MVD pickle paddle, pickle, pickle, pickle. That shit ain't diabolical. Nigga just having a little fun. Get to the money. Did money make you diabolical? That's what make you diabolical, Charlemagne. Stop dick riding. So, you know, I know Rick Ross has has a little bit of issue knowing the definition of words. So I decided to go to the actual, you know, uh, English dictionary to break down what diabolical genius means as its pure definition. This is what it means. Very evil, but often intelligent. I mean, come on, man. That's that's the reality of the situation. 50 can be very evil, but he's intelligent in his evil. That's what makes you a diabolic genius. Not getting money and stacking it up to the sky, like Rick Ross says. What's funny about Rick Ross making fun of the bankruptcy stuff is a lot of business people have filed bankruptcy. And there's two different chapters of bankruptcy. There's chapter 11 and chapter 7. Chapter 7 means you're actually broke. You have no money. You file bankruptcy to get off all your debts, and you're broke. You have no money. You have nothing. Chapter 11 just means you're restructuring your finances. It does not mean you're broke. And 50 filed for Chapter 11. It's a way to avoid paying certain debts that 50 had that he felt he didn't feel like he wanted to owe. So instead, you restructure your finances, and you pay a lot less in your debts than versus you know, not filing at all. Because he had issues with the headphone company, SMS Audio, he had the Rick Ross baby mama lawsuit. And then he sued his old lawyers for failing the lawsuit in the, I believe, the SMS audio headphone thing. Because he was uh, having a lawsuit with Sleek Audio, which is the one before he initially had. And then, yeah, they had uh, issues of copyright and saying he stole the idea, blah, blah, blah. So he filed Chapter 11, not Chapter 7. And Rick Ross says, you know, oh, 50's broke, 50's broke, and this and that. But everybody knows he's not. You know, the reality of the situation is if you're smart, you know, you know how to avoid people taking your money. That's just the reality of the situation. Or hide your money, you know, if you don't want to file a Chapter 11 bankruptcy, you know. 
Uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. The game has literally been sued by the girl of, you know, for assault a long time ago. Uh, I believe seven to the tune of like seven to nine million or something. And she still hasn't gotten a lot of that money yet because game is moving his money different places and different names. It's not all under his name. So you could do it that way. You could file chapter 11. You can do it lots of different ways. But uh, yeah, so Rick Ross saying that just makes absolutely no sense. Doesn't understand the definition of diabolical genius. Um, now, this is all in regards of defending Diddy. That's the hilarious thing of this. Rick Ross and Diddy, when Rick Ross had beef with 50, and this is another reason why 50 doesn't like Diddy. When Rick Ross had beef with 50 early on, Diddy started getting involved more in Rick Ross's career and pumping him up as the next biggie. During like 2010, 2011, remember he was on the Diddy album, Hello, Good Morning, and they were doing records here and there. And Diddy was like, he's the next biggie. He's, he's my biggie of, of 2010s and all this stuff just hyping him up, which is another reason why 50 probably doesn't like Diddy at all. But, you know, Rick Ross and Diddy were really close to together. And here's the funny thing, and this is 50 actually reiterated this. I said this on Twitter one day earlier, and 50 just posted about it today. Diddy and Rick Ross both have, uh, you know, allegations against them or condone certain things. I can't say the R word, but you guys know what I'm talking about when you do something uh, to a woman or a guy without their consent. You guys know what I'm talking about. Uh, the R word. They're both, they both in some ways condone that. If you guys don't believe me on the Rick Ross thing, let me take you back to the lyrics of the Rocco song, You Ain't Even Know It. Let me, let me read the bars for you guys. This is what Rick Ross said out of his mouth and felt this was okay to say on a song. Think about this. Any regular person would have been like, you know, that's pretty messed up to say on a track. But him, Rick Ross, like, eh, who cares? This is what I, that's the thing. And some of this music, you'll hear the truth of some of these artists of how they really are with women or people or whatever the case may be. Sometimes they'll slip out of their mouth and they'll try to pass it off as an art form. But, you know, let's, 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 let's read these lyrics that Rick Ross spit a while ago and 50 reposted it as well. And, uh, you know, this is what I said in my, in my thing. Uh, but this is lyrics off the, you ain't even know it track. Put Molly on her champagne. She ain't even know it. I took her home and I enjoyed that. She ain't even know it. Come on, man. Like that, that alone tells you birds of a feather flock together. I don't know where that quote fucking came from, but that guy's a genius. So that woman's a genius. Whoever made that quote up, birds of a feather flock together. Rick Ross and Diddy. Come on, man. Come on. Diddy's getting accused of all these things. I wouldn't be surprised in the future. Rick Ross gets accused of all these things. Put Molly all in her champagne. That's some Bill Cosby stuff. She ain't even know. I took her home and I enjoyed that. She ain't even know it. Come on, man. Yeah. Diddy's uh, Ross is just defending his boyfriend Diddy so that's that's all that this is about and then Rick Ross responds to the sales 50 clowning him for the sales just got a DM say Rose we believe 50 Cent just made a comment about you online I seen it and I said mm, to myself y'all don't know 50 Cent like I do he wouldn't do that for one his bitch dream chasers she been a dream chaser bitch for many years still is that's when she told me I was her favorite for two Nigga, we've been rich. We still getting money. Them niggas was laughing at my first week sales. They was doing a million the first week, and I did 150, 180, and they was laughing. But you smell that salt water, right? I let them niggas trick you. Big. <laughs> this is this is a person who can't find ways to respond to the clowning of his sales. He just refers back to money. 
and says that 50's broke and I'm rich and that's it. Like, Rick Ross has had only one platinum album in his career and it took streaming for him to get that platinum album and it was his debut album. Everything else has gone gold, which is only 500,000 sold. So if we're talking like music career-wise, 50 washed them. Everybody knows that. I think anybody with a, any any type of brain will realize that. But people argue, oh, Rick Ross's catalog is better. Rick Ross's music is, you know, just more, he just has better music. And that's a, an opinion-based thing. We're just looking at numbers here. You can argue that all day you want. I disagree, obviously. But, you know, Rick Ross has great songs. He can deliver some great albums. I do admit that. There's a lot of albums I enjoy from him. God Forgives I Don't is one of them. Teflon Don as well. Uh, I do enjoy his debut album, Port of Miami. Uh, there's tracks that I enjoy from like Aston Martin Music. Uh, lots of records, man. There's a lot of stuff that I enjoy from him. But that's just an opinion-based thing. But overall, that's all Rick Ross resorts to is calling 50 broke and not acknowledging the fact that his album flopped and that he's not relevant anymore. That if you have to go on a promo run tour and constantly mention 50's name in hopes that 50 responds to you by directly tagging you so your sales could potentially go up, then just shows you lost. 50 won that battle and won the war. That's just the reality of the situation. I think anybody who looks at it differently is not looking at it from the point of sales, figure, status, everything. 50 is just bigger in everything. You can point everything from music to status to sales to impact to all this stuff. I have yet, yet to hear a new artist say he was influenced by Rick Ross. I haven't heard. If you could send me a clip, I would love, love to, to find one artist that said, hey, some of my favorite rappers coming up is Rick Ross. I heard a lot say 50 Cent. A lot. Hell, we had a 50 Cent 2.0 copy with Pop Smoke. We had literally a, co- a new 2020 version of 50 Cent in Pop Smoke. Like, that's who we had a carbon copy of it. That's how influential 50 was. Let me know what you guys think, man. Uh, Rick Ross coming to Diddy's defense, attacking Charlemagne and 50. Uh, 50 clowning his sales, Charlemagne saying what he said. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, I do think it's a, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's still going to, this beef is never going to end. It's going to be Ja Rule and Rick Ross that 50 never squashes uh, the beef with. Everybody else, I can see him eventually squashing it. Even with game, he's had his kind of moments where he squashed it and was cool with it. Uh, but Ja Rule will never happen because that's just straight street stuff that like, and the Rick Ross and 50 thing just got too personal at one point. 50 was taking, you know, his baby mama and his kids out and all this stuff. And uh, there was even some chain snatching. You guys know the whole story. I'll, I'll do another. I'll do a remastered version of 50 versus Rick Ross in the future as well um, because that's that's badly needed. Uh, so, yeah, let me know what you guys think in the comments below, and we'll keep you guys posted if anything else changes. Busta Rhymes. This is an interesting story that I just found cool because... I feel like uh, there's a few artists in the industry that just randomly become artists and they weren't intending to be artists. They were just around certain people and then ended up becoming artists. And this is kind of one of those stories. So Busta Rhyme admits he became a rapper by accident, which is crazy because he's, to a lot of people, one of the best rappers of all time. Uh, Busta Rhymes has been sharing a lot about his life and career in the wake of his release of his latest album, Block Busta, including the fact that he never originally intended to become a rapper. The Brooklyn juggernaut stopped by the Diary of the CEO, where host Stephen Bar- Bartlett took him on a journey v- revisiting his entire journey as an artist. Uh, during the chat, Buster revealed that when he first took an interest in hip-hop culture, he wanted to be a DJ. I never really got good at it to be the DJ, he said. I was able to do it, but I was never nice enough to become the superstar DJ. And At that time, the DJ was super important because of all the groups he had, uh, because all the groups had the DJ name. The DJ was always the big shot. 
I'm not really the technology dude, so all this equipment shit, it was just a little complicated for me. After catching his second charge for selling crack by the time he was 12, Busta says his mother relocated him to Long Island, where he met his leaders of new school groupmate Charlie Brown. While the two became fast friends, a desire to get back at Brown is what drove Busta to write his first rhyme at the age of 13. Charlie Brown was like the number one rap dude in school at the time, he recalled. So one day I'm coming out of the school and we get into the school yard. There was a cipher that was formed on this particular day and it was a big one. There were C. Brown rapping and two other kids and C. Brown was getting most of the shine. I walk over to the cipher and I started beatboxing Brown. He's doing his rap shit to my beatbox. I keep the beat going for him. He continued saying everything was smooth in the beginning. And then probably like a good 20, 30 seconds into it, he just started disrespecting me, and I'm kind of torn between should I punch this dude in the face or should I keep beatboxing and not be the party pooper of the party energy that we're having here. And I'm saying to myself, I'm from Brooklyn. Just as he thought he would have to get physical, Busta said Charlie Brown stopped rapping and began getting props uh, from the other kids in the yard. I didn't want to look like a sore loser even though there was no battle. He just chose to diss me for no reason. Oh, man, that's funny. Uh, long story short, that was the day I said, all right, I'm going to go home and I'm going to write a rhyme tonight. I'm going to come back tomorrow. I'm going to fucking disrespect you in front of everybody. That is hilarious. Oh, man, that is hilarious. Imagine that's no, that, that's that's a perfect example of something affecting someone's uh, energy or feeling like disrespected and then birthing something legendary. It reminds me of the story of Ferrari, uh, the guy Ferrari. The actual guy Ferrari, not the car, but the actual guy who made Ferrari. Um, he gave, you know, a Lamborghini, the guy, the actual Lamborghini guy, not, not Lamborghini, the company, but the actual Lamborghini guy. He would buy Ferraris, right? And uh, he was like a he was like a farmer, you know. He wasn't like into cars, but he was a farmer and very technical about, you know, uh, his work that he was doing. But he, you know, he was successful in farming, bought a Ferrari, uh, and then after he had that Ferrari for like a month or two or a couple of weeks, I think, he brought it back to Mr. Ferrari and said, this isn't a proper car. Like this transmission isn't going well. This, this stick shift is not working. Uh, this and this, all these issues. It's very bumpy on the roads and this and that. It's not smooth and all this crazy stuff he was saying to him. And the actual Ferrari guy was like, what the hell do you know? You're just a farmer. Like, shut up. Get out of here. You don't know what you're talking about. Well, that birthed Lamborghini, an actual competition against Ferrari. <laughs> So sometimes you got to be careful. And this situation, it's actually a good thing in both situations because we would probably would have never got bust rhymes ever had uh, that guy never just trolled him and dissed him. Like that's wild to think about. And it's a funny uh, story, man. I think uh, that's very, very crazy to think about. And the same thing with the Ferrari and Lamborghini story. Had the Ferrari guy never disrespected uh, that, that farmer Lamborghini, uh, he, it's kind of weird saying Lamborghini because we know it as like a car company, but it, there was actually a guy whose name was Lamborghini. So, uh, had he never disrespected that guy, you know, maybe if he just took in his advice, there would have never been a competitor ever to Ferrari, which is wild. We would have never gotten Lamborghini as a car company. So, uh, wild thing, man. Uh, things like this happen all time throughout the day. Every, every year someone gets inspired or gets disrespected and, uh, decides to do something about it. So luckily, both these things ended up in good results because, you know, I like Ferrari and I do like um, Busta Rhymes. I like Lamborghini and I do like Busta Rhymes. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that, man. Very cool story. This was cool, man, and this surprised a lot of people. So Styles P 
and Sheik Luch appeared on The Breakfast Club. And they talked about the track, We Don't Give a Fuck, that DMX has on his album, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. And on the album, he Styles P reveals that it was a diss track towards Ja Rule. And that surprised everyone there. Uh, if you guys don't remember the history between DMX and Ja Rule, basically, uh, they were really close homies, friends. And then eventually, it became an issue of, D- I think Ja Rule, I might, I might be wrong in this story. I don't know the exact details. I don't remember the exact details. But basically, it, it revolved around the issue of them copying each other and looking like each other and making the same dog sounds and growling and having a raspy, aggressive voice. And that that ended up uh, causing tension between the two. Um, and then they ended up having you know beef against each other. So this song wasn't any, there wasn't anything direct towards Ja Rule. But if you actually listen to the song, it kind of makes sense that it's a diss towards Ja Rule because, uh, you know, used to be my dog, you were my left titty, you know, blah, blah, blah. That, that where he's talking about the relationship, being close with this person, he got close to him and, you know, they ended up not being friends and hating each other. So uh, let's play the, uh, the Breakfast Club clip. It's very interesting of him revealing that because Sheik Luch and Charlamagne are surprised about the whole thing. And Styles, you was on, um, used to be my dog, you was in my left titty. Yeah. But you weren't credited on the album, man. I don't remember you being, I don't, I don't remember your name being on the album. Yeah, we barely even looked at credits back then. That's the crazy part. Yeah, that's wild. Like, yeah. it didn't say featuring Styles, at least at the yeah. time it didn't. Yeah. It's Kisses on there too, right? Nah, it's just, it's X and you. No, Kisses on the hook. Kisses on the, kisses kisses on on the hook. hook? Yeah. Kisses is the one doing the hook. The raspy voice, yeah, that's Kiss. I thought that was you doing no, the hook. No, Kiss. No, Kiss did the, I think I may be on it with him. Used to be my dog. He was in it. No, you got a verse actually. Got a verse. I got a verse. Yeah, 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 I got a yeah. verse. You got a verse, but you put it, it, on, it don't say featuring style. Yeah, I love you too, Ja. Ja? Yeah, the song was was about Ja. Was it? <laughs> you didn't know that? God no. damn. Ja Rule. Yes, it was. <laughs> what the was hell? it? No. Was Are y'all kidding me? I don't even know if he know that. No, I didn't know no, that. No, Ja. I don't think Ja know that. Yes, he do. All right. Wow. Y'all kidding me? Y'all making me know. feel like I'm in the meat. I didn't know that. Yes, it was. Wow. What was that about? X and Ja having beef. They was dogs. <laughs> like, they was, they was dogs. Ja's my girl. Let me get in this joint real quick. Let me throw some darts. I did definitely Yo. tag team oh, in that. Shit. You just jumped on it like, yeah. look, you, my man got beef. I got beef. That's how it goes, we used man. To roll, yeah, we, that's how for it, the most time, that's, yeah, how that's how it is, man. He, he's in it and I'm in it with him. That's, what, that's, that's how we going to give it up. That's funny yeah. though, all right. Breaking yeah. news. When you, when you do these, that ain't breaking news. So no, ain't nobody knew that. that shit, man. I, don't I, think I, I knew definitely that. didn't know that. It would have been cool to have DMX. You know, I wish DMX was alive to address this and actually clarify. I don't know if he's did if he's done that in old interviews when he's dissing Ja Rule, but uh, you know, I think it would be cool and see if you know what what uh, I, I would like Ja Rule to respond to this as well. He's alive, so he can actually respond to this and uh, you know, kind of get his thoughts on it and if he thinks it was actually shots towards him, but. Very cool, man. It surprised a lot of people, even, you know, Charlemagne and Sheik Luch himself. So, uh, yeah, just wanted to touch on that. It's a really cool story. Joe Budden done stirred up something, man. Joe Budden always saying something, man. Poking somebody. Always having having something to say about some rapper, man. And they get mad. Why, why, why? Anyways, I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm not going to go off on Joe Budden. But basically, NBA Young Boy's out there minding his own business in Utah, wherever the hell he is, riding horses in the snow. Minding his own damn business. And Joe Bunn basically calls his music trash. Out of nowhere. And, of course, that upsets NBA Young Boy. So let's play the clip of Joe Bunn and what he said. What else do I have written down here? Uh, you ready to tell the truth about NBA Young Boy? Uh, I'm not ready to do this. Uh, what's the truth? That nigga's trash. 
He's horrible. He is horrible. He is horrible. He is really, 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 really bad. As a rapper or a person? I'm not, I don't know him as a person. Oh, okay. I'm only speaking about music. Music. He's really, really, really bad. And that thing happened with him where when he was out, the label pushed a button and did some YouTube shit. So then all the little kids had to just come to the fucking, come to the gathering and tell you about NBA young boy views and how great he is and how awesome he is and how amazing he's doing. Now that the label's backed up a bit, and now that we done had about three or four projects while he's been in Utah on house arrest. You had way more than that. I know. And that's that, that, I know. that to me, is where the I problem know. lies. Because earlier Youngboy music don't sound like this to me. Like, even he just dropped a single today. I listened to it last night, and I cut it off midway through. I'm he's just like, boy. I can't. What's the difference between his music then and now? The shit, me, I could hear it. No, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Uh, you know, I don't think he said anything super disrespectful. But, you know, uh, calling him trash, I think is a little... I think NBA Youngboy has great songs. I'll give him that. Albums, projects, I'm, I'm iffy about when it comes to NBA Youngboy. I think he's got... I think in this clip, uh, I believe Ice mentioned... Uh, him dropping too many projects. I think that's one of NBA Youngboy's kind of great things and faults. The great thing is you're constantly getting new music from him. His, his numbers are constantly there. The bad thing is, is that you are, you're, you're just releasing music for the sake of releasing music. You're not sitting there and being like, let's, let's come up with a project. Let's take our time. Instead, you're just saying, Hey, how many projects can we get out this year? Uh, and I think that hinders the music, that hinders the quality of the music. I think if he took his time a little bit more, didn't release as much projects every year, maybe one every year, even though that's still, I think, way too consistent. I think every other year dropping a project is like the perfect uh, time span for artists. I think when you, if you take too long, like Kendrick, five years, it gets to the point where it's like, damn, where the fuck is the music? And Because the hype gets too crazy. Like for Kendrick, I feel like the hype was up there and then when Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers dropped, it was like, eh, people were like, it's it's good album, but it's not where we were expecting with the five-year hiatus. So the hype gets too high up if you take too long. And then if you drop too consistently, it's just, it gets watered down and annoying at a certain point. People get tired of hearing you and don't want to listen to the music. So I think a good balance is two to three years. I think three years is like right in the middle, and that's that's a good time for people to miss you and for you to come up with something new and deliver. But if you're dropping every single month, every single year, it gets tiring and annoying and nobody wants to hear about you anymore. People get bored and, uh, you know, that's why Drake has to do different styles and do different collab albums because people are just going to get tired of, of hearing music. So that I agree with, but calling his music just straight up trash is crazy. So NBA Youngboy responded and tagged Joe Budden blatantly in his story. And that's what he said. The last thing I dropped was a side at two. My album's still in the top ten, puss ass nigga. Don't speak on me. I don't play that shit. Don't rat on me neither, you pussy bitch. I said, I want that piece about two minutes old. Stupid, nigga. dumb bitch. Your dick don't even get hard no more. Count ass nigga. You ain't no, ain't no sabotaging me, bitch. Fuck wrong with that nigga, man. Don't rat on me. I'm, don't rat on me, bitch. And I don't want to argue with your bitch ass nigga. Hey, bitch, you do all them interviews. Hey, come on, great nigga, mountain and talk to me, nigga. You can't. Bitch, if you can't do that, man, hey, you bitch made, nigga, shut your fucking mouth. Sixty thousand, bitch. <laughs> Yo, every young boy gets mad and does these videos is hilarious. But the way he talks, like his his voice when he gets mad at these, is is just 
crazy. Birdman responded and, of course, shared the video of NBA Boy and basically checked Joe Budden again. Uh, and then Joe Budden, because uh, people were people were calling Joe Budden, you know, washed up and this and that. And then Joe Budden uh, said that he's bigger than NBA Youngboy. Joe Budden has argued now that Youngboy's career is flattening and backed up his claim by reading out the first week sales of a number of YB projects. I just want to say I'm way bigger than him. Stop this, he said. They're in X spaces on Monday. Dog, you young idiots. Get fooled by these label metrics and these digital tricks. Would you like me to read you the numbers on Young Boy's last six projects? So let's play. Let's play the clip. No, he's he's a, he's a, he he. His podcast is the number one music podcast. podcast. So he's, he, I just want to say I'm way bigger than him. Stop this. You are not oh, bigger shit. than Young Boy, Joe. I think you, you are not bigger talk. than Young Boy. I think you guys should talk. I think he says way bigger than him. He's speaking on a overall presence platform, like no, not, not the young, the, you you young idiots get fooled by these label metrics and these digital tricks. Would you like me to read you the numbers on Young Boy's last six projects? No, go for it. Go for it. No, 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 no. Go for it. Go for it. Yo, don't, don't cut him off while he's talking. Yo, Joe, go for it. Right, <laughs> you want to read? Me? I mean, I don't want to. I, did, I mean, I, think oh, I, no, had, I didn't, didn't think I had to do this. Because I'm sure someone here is recording. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we're always, we record every. You. 2022. Real 20, quick. 2022, never broke again. Quando Rondo, LLC, 14,000 copies. That was in 2023. The point is, you, you're doing a lot for somebody that don't sell more than 60,000 records. Like, stop it. I get They fell for the bots, Joe. Yeah, I, I know. I know. I know, but enough of it. Enough young people just saying stupid shit in hip hop. We get it. You like who you like. Awesome. But it's not this dominant force that you niggas keep trying to make it out to be. Y'all did the same thing with Grant. I, I do agree on the fact that Joe Budden is a bigger name than NBA Youngboy. I know that's hard for people to understand, but Joe Budden is the number one music podcaster when it comes to the music category. Not even hip hop, just music. So he's 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 transcended hip hop. It's just music. He is the number one, and he started podcasting before a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, in the music thing. Rest in peace, Combat Jack. I know he was one of the first as well early on, uh, but he passed away unfortunately. So Joe Budden was there uh, early on. I remember when his podcast was called. I'll name this podcast later, and he was dropping episodes. Uh, so. It's interesting that Joe Rogan is the number one and then Joe Budden is the number one in music. It's like all these Joes uh, and, you know, <laughs> it's just crazy. So he's right in that aspect. He is bigger than, um, you know, NBA Youngboy. And, uh, you know, I don't see I don't see what, what the issue in terms of overall just name and music. Obviously not. NBA Youngboy's had a lot more success in music than Joe Budden will ever have. Uh, that's just the reality situation. But name wise, I think he is bigger. But overall, Joe Budden after this, decided to issue an apology to NBA Youngboy. And then NBA Youngboy responded to that apology. So let's go over that. It's always a lot worse. I owe NBA Youngboy an apology, too. Let's you start with accountability. Yeah. I owe him an apology. Yes. He don't even bother nobody. Mm. He don't even bother nobody. And the pod was over. Yeah, we didn't do it. The pod was over. I was in my notes. My notes is for my brain. That ain't to put out there like that. And... If you're going to have the conversation, there's a much better way to articulate what you're trying to say and have the conversation. 
Yeah. Like, that's just lazy to do that at the end of the pod. We do that a lot, by the way. Voice is too strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you, yeah, but it's the back to that strong voice shit. It's just, you got to be more responsible than that. That was totally wrong. Not cool. You want to be the bridge. Yes. You want to mm-hmm. be the, the, the OG that is the bridge. You don't want to keep... They only snatch my shit when I'm kicking somebody's back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I need to stop kicking people's back. Yeah. That's what it says. That's what it says. So, yeah, he didn't need that. I did get the, I did always wonder how a young boy Joe Budden ran would sound. I got that off the bucket list. Mm-hmm. I did. And my dick gets hard. Gave you some dick critique. Yeah. I wasn't, I didn't know where he was going. <laughs> I didn't know where he was going with this. Them niggas think we old as dirt. Mm. We old to these niggas, man. Not me. Yeah. Joe Budden, I love you, bro. They, they ain't understand our plot twist. It was strictly for to do an interview after that. Tell them don't take us too serious. Everything entertainment, man. I agree, man. And I was watching, uh, shout out to Vlad. I was watching the Vanilla Ice interview that he's been doing. And I like Vanilla Ice, man. I think that when he does interviews and when he, when he talks about business, he is a very smart uh, 90s artist that um, didn't fall victim to being a child star. Meaning, like, he was going down the path of using drugs and all that stuff, but uh, got out of it and succeeded, got his publishing and... Um, you know, and his interviews are really cool. He says in his interviews to never take things serious. Life is not that serious. A lot of stuff he said that I was in the public limelight where everybody was critiquing me and doing things I shouldn't have took serious because that's what led him to doing all the drugs and all the crazy stuff. So I like that NBA Youngboy has this approach on this. He's like, you know, don't take it serious. It's just for entertainment purposes. That's it. Uh, sometimes artists in today's time when they say just for entertainment purposes, they don't mean that. They actually, you know, mean what they said in the video, and it's serious. But uh, just the way he responds to this, it seems like NBA Youngboy doesn't care, man. He's just joking around. Uh, and he has those moments where, you know, he'll get mad and then just joke around and troll about the situation. So I agree with that, man. Do not take things too serious in life. When you do that, it's going to stress you. It's going to cause a lot more problems. And it's going to make you want to escape reality. And what... What makes you? What makes humans escape reality? What people resort to? What most humans resort to when it comes to escaping reality is drugs, alcohol, and stuff like that. And it can go down a wrong path. So Vanilla Ice's advice, basically, on that because he's one of the people that 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 was going down that path, escaped it, and became successful after the childhood star stuff. So he's a great example of what you can do to not fall for that trap, especially if you're a celebrity. So what he said is differentiate what's artificial and what's real in your life and know that when you're a star this is artificial this is for entertainment and that when you're yourself and your real name your real person that's you and that's your life and that's that's what he said once I did that I was perfectly fine I knew what was fun and entertaining was this music industry stuff and the industry Hollywood in general and what was real life was my family my you know my love life whatever the case may be uh, personal things so you know I think that's cool advice, man. Shout out to Vanilla Ice. I think that's a really dope interview. If you guys haven't seen it, go check it out on Vlad's channel. Um, he's got he's got a lot of cool interviews that he does. Uh, speaking of beef, though, Lil Baby decides to diss Gunna. So, I don't know. I guess the song came on while he's performing at a concert. Uh, the song, uh, Drip Too Hard, Don't Stand Too Close, You Gonna Fuck Around and Drown, Off This Wave, on the Show. I don't know. Him and Gunna got that record. Fire song. And uh, when the song starts playing... Low baby decides to diss him, and this is what he says. Let's play the clip. Yeah, he just said, "Fuck the rats, turn the shit off." 
That is interesting, man. I wonder if Gunna's going to be responding to that. I still want to know Young Thug's take on the Gunna situation. I've heard things here and there from his sister and stuff like that, but I think Gunna, Gunna's career is in the hands of Young Thug, essentially. If Young Thug says he's a rat, fuck him, the music industry is going to turn on him. And I don't know if it's going to affect his career like that or not. Uh, you know, affect the six nines, but you know, gonna gonna just drops records like "fuck you mean," come on man, that record "fuck you mean" like that 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 was just you know, that was a fire record. So if he drops music like that, it's hard to debate whether you know you like Gunna or not. I don't really care about the rat stuff. Like I said, I'm a regular civilian. I don't care if you snitched or not. It's got nothing to do with me, man. And I think every person listening to an artist if you are a regular civilian not tied to the streets who gives a shit if somebody read it or not you know that to me doesn't matter now if you're lying to your rhymes you're, you're stealing someone's whole identity even that to a certain extent i even you know like rick ross i bump some of the tracks i get it uh it's entertainment hollywood but still that that that's a whole different level of like uh just being phony uh ratting is like you know to me it's like it's got nothing to do with me man if you rat tell them people who to me it's nothing uh, obviously, to street people, it's a whole different situation. It's a serious situation. I get that. Uh, but if you're a regular civilian, that shouldn't matter to you, man, whether somebody rats or not. If this is a person making great music, cool. Uh, speaking of somebody making great music and receiving his flowers for making great music, Jay-Z on his 54th birthday. Wow, he's starting to get old, man. He's about to turn 60 years old in about, what, six years? That's wild, man, 60 years old. Um, he got 20 new gold and platinum plaques. So RIAA updated his plaques, almost 20. So he got 19 new. Um, so let's go over all the updates. Uh, Jay-Z Izzo, each titta Izzo, be titta Izzo. That got updated and that went platinum. Uh, Lucifer, that got gold. Oceans with Frank Ocean, that went gold. DOA, Death of Autotune, that went gold. The Story of OJ, that went platinum. On to the next, uh, on to the next one, that went platinum. Uh, Encore, that went gold. Bam, that went gold. Lost one. Dang, I didn't get one. I love that record. I gotta go listen to that old uh, Kingdom Come Out. I think it was on the Kingdom Come Out. I could be wrong. Uh, gold. Part two on the run track went platinum. Family Feud with Beyonce, gold. Public Service Announcer Interlude went gold. 444, the single, not the album, went platinum. Holy Grail, the single. Uh, why am I saying the single? That's a single, obviously. Went five times platinum. Shout out to him. Girls, girls, girls. That went gold. Young forever. Forever young. I want to be. That song's fire too. Blueprint 3 gets a lot of hate, but I love Blueprint 3, man. I think that's one of Jay-Z's best albums. Yeah, I know. You guys are going to attack me for that. Whatever. I don't even care. That's my opinion. It's an opinion. Uh, that went three times platinum. So shout out to that song. It's a fire song. Heart of the City. That went gold. 03 Bonnie and Clyde. That went platinum. That's surprising because that should be a bigger, bigger song. Big Pimpin'. That has gone three times platinum. Blueprint 3, the album, has been updated to two times platinum. Blueprint 3, the album, the classic, only two times platinum. That's disrespectful. The Black Album, updated to four times platinum. Um, shout out to him. Empire State of Mind, updated to nine times platinum. That's going to be Diamond. That's going to be the first Jay-Z-led song that's going to go Diamond. Uh, and... That's it. Actually, the Empire State, all this other ones, the Blueprint 3, Black Album, all that stuff I mentioned, that was certified a long time ago. I apologize. Um, so Big Pimpin' is where it stops. So from Big Pimpin' all the way to H to the Izzo, 
they're all singles that got updated. So shout out to him. A lot of platinum and gold and a couple of double platinum, a couple of triple platinum. So shout out to Jay-Z, man. Great gift for him uh, for turning 54 years old. Let's get to the Billboard Hot 100 and finally rocking around the Christmas tree. That song finally went number one, man. I think on social media, people saw that it's never gone number one. So they started streaming the hell out of it. That is the first time this song's ever gone number one. So shout out to Brenda Lee, who I believe is still alive. I think I checked on the podcast. She's still alive. She's probably happy about that, man. Hopefully somebody interviews her about it. It'd be really cool. Uh, Mariah Carey's All I Want From Christmas Is You is at number two. Loving On Me, Jack Carlo, the industry plant fabricated song is at number three. Uh, Jingle Bell Rock is at number four. Last Christmas is at number five. Holly Jolly Christmas is at number six. Damn Christmas songs this week. That's what I'm saying, man. Make a Halloween record, a Christmas record, any of these holiday-ass songs, birthday record, like in the club, like those type of type of songs stay forever, man. You'll be you'll be banking in on that. Uh, Cruel Summer, Taylor Swift, number seven. Paint the Town Red, Dozer Cat, number eight. Snooze, SZA, number nine. And Andy Williams, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the, I don't know, uh, number 10. Going down the list, Tyler Water, number 15. That went down the charts because all these Christmas records. Uh, going down, going down. A lot of Christmas songs entering. Oh my God! Deck the halls with balls of fury. Blah, 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 blah. Rudolph the red nosed reindeer. That's the number twenty six. Jeez. Uh, jingle bells. I don't know. A bunch of these records, man. A uh, bunch of Christmas songs, which is cool because streaming allows that now, which is really interesting. Uh, Rich baby daddy Drake number thirty three. First person shooter Drake number thirty four. Going down. Fuck you mean. Got a number thirty nine. A uh, bunch of Christmas, run, Rudolph, run. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, number 43. Damn, all this shit. Santa Claus coming to town, Jackson 5. Wild, man. All this stuff. All these Christmas records, man. I wonder how long a lot of these are going to last on here. Is it going to last till Christmas is over? Or? Huh, interesting. I don't give a fuck, Drake, number 55. I know Travis Scott, number 57. You broke my heart, Drake, number 58. Uh, going down the list. Virginia Beach, Drake, number 73. Rod Rave, Great Gatsby, number 75. J.I.D. 21 Savage, Baby Tate, number 77. Surround Sound. Uh, um, let's see. Slime You Out, Drake, number 90. Turks and Caicos, Rod Wave, number 91. Meltdown, Travis Scott, number 93. And Rich Man, North the Rich Man. Shout out to that song. That's number 99. That's about to fall off the charts. Um, but yeah, that's it for today's episode of the diverse mentality podcast. Once again, guys, appreciate you guys always Spotify, Deezer podcast, YouTube support. Appreciate it. Have an amazing night day. Whenever you listen to this and peace.